Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Better than before. An hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Well, hot town, summer in the city, a heat wave here in New York. In fact, humidity is about 100%. You know, in the summer, Manhattan is like a box, and someone just puts the lid on. It's that stifling. But it's also a time when things are a little more relaxed, and we can do some self-introspection to get ourselves ready for the coming months. And this is a show that is devoted to just that. My first guest, who you will meet in a minute, is Dr. Emily Kybert, who will help us get a mind and body makeover. And after the break, we'll have a beauty makeover. So stay tuned for that. But first, here's a woman who needs no makeover, as she is just perfect the way she is, my producer, Lori Houston. Hi, Lori. Hi, Jane. How are you? I'm okay. Good, good. Okay, so you know what a huge believer I am in holistic healing, right? I do. And... Many places are slowly adding these types of treatments and therapies, and even doctors are suggesting complementary medicine in addition to the protocol they prescribe, as well they should be, because I feel, and I know you do too, Lori, that many of the most interesting and promising developments for our health are from the world of alternative medicine that doesn't just focus on illness, but on trying to find ways to prevent us from getting sick to begin with. But surprisingly, in all of New York City, and I'm sure that goes for most of the country, it is rare to find so many great options all in one place. I'm talking chiropractic, physical therapy, sports training, personal training, running rehab, performance nutrition, even yoga. But our first guest, Dr. Emily Kybert, a chiropractic physician, has done, has done just that in her urban wellness clinic here in New York City. Her mission, in fact, in her words, is to optimize every patient's health so they live, sprint, lift, race, or stand without pain. As she says, we don't know how strong we are until strong is the only option we have left. And how true that is. In fact, strong is the new skinny as far as I'm concerned. Dr. Kybert also develops a wellness program or wellness programs for corporate executives. And speaking of whom, also joining us to give his personal experience at the Urban Wellness Clinic, talking about why executives in high-stress jobs can use a healthy dose of wellness training is a very special guest. Rumor has it his mother has been very influential in having him appreciate the benefits of being physically and emotionally fit. He does have an amazing mother who's not always emotionally fit, I should add, and it's just a coincidence, of course, that he and I have the same last name. So here is Dr. Emily Kybert and okay, my son, Philip Michael. Welcome to the show to you both. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Jane, for having me on. It's quite oh, it's our trail. pleasure. Philip, are you there too? Yes, thank you after, as well. Long time listener. Uh, thank you. First, first time uh, guest. First so time guest, long time uh, listener. Thank you for having me. Well, it is our pleasure. All right, let's start with you, Dr. Kyber. Your clinic, as I mentioned, is a one-stop shop for relieving pain and optimizing health for us all. So first tell us, why did you decide to initially become a chiropractic physician? And then, of course, you ended up creating 
urban wellness. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so when I was a teenager, I um, played a lot of sports and had a lot of injuries. And I, um, when I was about 15 years old, I had sprained my ankle playing soccer. And I had done the PT and the rehab, which I really just focused on just the ankle and the lower body. And a couple months later, I started getting headaches, um, really debilitating, couldn't focus. And I actually saw my chiropractor um, back in the day. And he was like, you know what, this is associated to this uh, instability in your ankle. Um, And, you know, he gave me an adjustment. Um, We stabilized the ankle. But I thought it was such a cool... uh, pathway and finding to figure out, oh, like I'm getting headaches um, related to this old injury I had. And if he had only focused on the neck and done, you know, work on the neck and hadn't figured out, oh, there's something else going on that's attributing to this, like I probably would have just kept getting headaches. So kind of finding that like biomechanical connection from head to toe, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I would just love to be able to do this for someone else. So I kind of knew really early on, around like 14, 15 years old, that this is something I wanted to pursue. Um, when I graduated and I moved to New York City in 2007, at first I was just doing adjustments, um, kind of the getting joints moving um, from the chiropractic sense, uh, chiropractic manipulation. And I found that only so many people were responding and getting better. Um, and obviously I want all my patients to feel amazing, walk out with tools that they can do to heal themselves. So I started doing um, adjustments and soft tissue and then starting to do strength training and eventually um, got too busy to do it all myself and just started to bring in like experts in all those fields. So I brought in a massage therapist that um, has been a massage therapist for 18 years. I brought in a um, strength trainer, uh, personal trainer to do all the strength training. And so instead of just focusing on one area of the body, Um, trying to really look at the patient as a whole. So like, where are they weak? Where are they too tight? Where do they need more strength, you know, uh, and more movement? Where can we clean up their nutrition? Are they not sleeping well? Are they stressed? So it kind of went from like a very injury focus to being like looking at the person as a whole holistically, because if you only look at one part, like people only get so much better and we really want people just to like live their best life, their most optimal life um, and do what they love to do pain-free. Right. And that's what holistic healing is all about. You don't just treat the headache, for example, you find out what gets to the root of it and you deal with that. So that makes it a lot more, whatever you do then will last because, you know, you're, 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 you're getting to the root of the problem. So let's, if we can, talk a little bit about chiropractic care. Over the years, uh, it has become so mainstream that I think even Medicare covers it to treat certain conditions. Um, but some people, they still may be just a little bit hesitant. You know, I have to admit that when I was very young, my mother, Philip's grandmother, who's way ahead of her time health-wise, used to take me to a chiropractor here in New York City on 86th Street. And you know something? I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I do remember Dr. Meister, and he scared the hell out of me because I thought when he adjusted my neck that my head would roll off. <laughs> this was from a, a little girl's perspective. Now, I know you, you don't actually move or bend bones like an orthopedic surgeon or, or Yuri Geller, but explain, right. please, what is chiropractic and why is, it, why is having an aligned spine so important for our general well-being? Yeah, so through either overuse, um, 
injuries in our day, like we sit at our computer, like the typical New Yorker, 12 to 14 hours a day, hunched over, chin jutted, our joints will start to align in a certain way to hold our head up, to hold our body up against gravity. Sometimes certain joints will get stuck and compressed. And those joints, when you then decide to use them, like let's say you're at your computer and you like turn to look at Philip and be like, hey, um, those joints that might get stuck and compressed from being in that position don't have their full range. And that lack of range can start to cause pain, irritation, the muscles in that area will start to guard and protect and become tight. So what um, a chiropractic uh, adjustment will do is just assess like where in the body are those areas getting tight and stuck and then do an adjustment in that area to bring natural motion and movement back to that joint. Um, sometimes, and this is actually most of the time, you then need to work on the muscles, get that person to stop like becoming one with their computer, some like uh, lifestyle modifications, um, but the adjustment is a really good way to um, relieve pain and pressure from a joint perspective and help align the spine and just have good motion through your day. You don't call it cracking out, right? I mean, it's just, I like that, I like that sound, you know, I know it's like you're dealing with subluxations, but you, I like that kind of crack, 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 but that's not, yeah. that's sort of like non-PC. <laughs> that's just like... <laughs> I know some patients come to me and they're like, give me the crack. And I'm right. just like, okay, um, we're going to be like super PC here. We're going to give you an adjustment. Um, the crack is just uh, as there's a buildup of tension in the joint, like as you bring the joint to tension, there's a buildup of gas. That tension can come from pressure on the uh, joints, like as if you're jutting your chin and being on your computer. And then when you give a little thrust to the joint, there's a release of gas. That is that cavitation or that pop sound. Um, it's just kind of like icing on the cake. Sometimes you can adjust a joint and there won't be that, that click or pop. Um, sometimes you do and you get a big release. We're really going for like good, healthy movement in the joint um, and then working all the muscles around that area. So just that everything's moving well. I mean, we sit so much, whether it's like on the train, on our phone, at the computer, that like we're really good at sitting. Like we're professional sitters. We're professional we sitters, go, right? <laughs> we were, yeah, and then we want to go work out. Like we want to go do our Pilates or our Barry's Boot Camp or our Soul Cycle. But we're just really good at sitting all day. So now we take that sitting position to like exercising and uh and ideally, your exercise would reverse all that sitting. So sometimes you'll go to, I don't know, Barry's Boot Camp, and you're doing all these, like, weight training, but your body is good at sitting. So it's bringing those sitting posture into that weight training. And then injury starts to happen. So our goal at the clinic is just to get you moving better, just clean up your movement, get you moving more, and just try and reverse, like, those daily habits that are really typical for New York and I'm sure the rest of the country. I have to just mention for Barry's boot camp, rumor has it that because it's so hard that if you get sick because, you know, people get so nauseous that they give you a free T-shirt. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> just in case I mean, you get someone up to, to actually going to Barry's boot camp, you know, that's how to get a free t-shirt. But, you know, doctor, I, I want to bring Philip into this conversation as, you know, yeah. he works in corporate America. He's a director at uh, Deutsche Bank. And I have to add that he's married to the very beautiful Michelle. Mm-hmm. But as I also mentioned, one of the things that you do at Urban Wellness is to offer executives a corporate wellness program. Um, Philip, why don't you tell us what uh, made you decide that you really wanted to feel even better than before, aside from my suggesting (laughs) that that might be good for you? Sure. Um, And uh, again, I have to say it's very exciting to be on your show since uh, I've been watching you uh, uh, for for many years leading up to to this, but uh, you know, uh, it kind of full circle. Obviously, having access to such a wonderful resource uh, as as obviously you are, my whole life, who's always touted health and and the importance of taking care of your body. Um, even the best mother in the world can't protect you from um, you know the bumps and bruises we all experience. I, as you know, played sports uh, growing up. At the, cringeworthy moments of you watching me play football uh, and some of the associated injuries that happened along the way up through uh, even college. And, you know, as you keep a active life of maintaining some some balance of, of kind of the stress of a corporate job and, uh, as Dr. Feibert said, all the kind of uh, friction and tension that comes with how we position ourselves on a daily basis, and you incorporate that with um, you know, trying to stay active and maybe not working out as well as we once did and maybe not doing it as uh, carefully as we once did when we do and keeping up uh, hobbies uh, that also apply pressure on joints. I noticed as I've gotten older and I'm now um, near my mid-30s that, you know, the, the pain and the pressure wouldn't subside nearly as quickly as it used to in my mid to late 20s. And I especially have been having problems with my legs and my hips in particular, and sitting at work wasn't as comfortable as it used to be. And I knew that I needed to take a more comprehensive uh, approach to the way my body feels uh, on a day-to-day basis. And I think what really attracted me to this program was the integrative approach uh, that Dr. Gabbard has already uh, described, but uh, taking the kind of complete element of um, you know, the the physical, the mind, the body, and kind of how we take care of ourselves into account. So it started with a diagnostic as simple as watching the way you walk, um, which I think no one really pays attention to, but obviously a lot of things can be told just by watching somebody walk and the balance uh, that their body um, portrays from it. And I think incorporating the um, physical therapy, chiropractic, uh, diets, kind of just diagnostic to the way your body uh, incorporates uh, food and metabolizes food, all of that together uh, has really got me kind of retrained and reprogrammed to kind of overcome the injuries that I have and uh, try to kind of rebuild a healthier lifestyle. Well said. I did a good job with him, didn't I, Dr. Kybert? Yeah, amazing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm listening going, wow, he's good. He's really good. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, also to his point, and, and I know that a lot of high-powered, high-stressed uh, people, executives or otherwise, you can be, I know, doctor, that you recently had a baby, and you can be just a stay, not just, but you can be a, you know, a stay-at-home mom or a caregiver, or, you know, they, you, you tend not to, not to take as good care of yourself as you should, and there is a, a feeling that, okay, look, you know, 
maybe I don't eat right. Maybe I drink too much. Maybe I don't sleep enough. But hey, look, so I'll die young, right? But the thing is, it's not that you're going to die young. It's that you're going to get sick and suffer for all those many years. So you're not going to have a quality of life, right? So it's very important, as you say, doctor, and and Philip, too, that um, you have to be in optimum health, uh, optimal health. There's, there's really, it's not even up for debate. There's no other alternative. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, right. You know, with Philip, we took this approach. Um, we have kind of this idea of like four pillars or four wheels on the car. There's movement, nutrition, sleep, and stress. And when Philip first came in, one of the things was like difficulty getting to sleep, staying asleep. Um, and you could let, you could see it under his eyes. Um, so, you know, one of the pieces we wanted to clean up first was like, hey, is there any muscle tension in the body that's causing pain, preventing you from sleeping? We did a little bit of active release technique, gave him a really clear strength program of a push-up, a row, a deadlift, just like three essential movements. That is part of our Essential 7 program, just movements that you need to do every single day to be a human being. Then we looked at his nutrition. Um, We looked at his caffeine intake. We noticed he said, like, hey, I'm waking up tired. I'm just, like, dragging. And then I start to drag, like, that 2 p.m. slump. I'm sure every single person in the corporate world, like, either gets a hit of caffeine or sugar in that, like, 2 to 3 p.m. slump. So we looked at, you know, how much coffee is he having a day? When is he having it? Um, Because that will affect how you wake up. Ideally, you'd wake up. You jump out of bed ready for the day. Your cortisol is at its highest to get you going. Um, but if we wake up kind of dragging, obviously something with the hormones is off. Um, so we looked at how, how frequently, frequently was he eating and, like, was he eating quality protein, quality fats, or was he eating too much sugar? So we recommended a cleanse just to, like, jumpstart uh, nutrition and good health um we noticed he was skipping breakfast like most like many many people do just run out the door get to work so uh we recommended going from three cups of coffee a day to one cup and trying to wean off with some green tea um having that cup first thing in the morning we kind of like the bulletproof style coffee with um with fat in it, so like MCT oil, uh, which is, comes from coconut oil, um, a little grass-fed butter, eating breakfast with some protein um, and some fats to help like kickstart his day and then also try and beat that 2 p.m. slump, um, which would also in turn help him sleep better at night. Um, we gave him some breathing exercise to manage his stress Um, we find that a lot of people when they're stressed don't exhale enough. When we exhale is when we actually blood, uh, oxygen, sorry, is transferred into the bloodstream. So a lot of people think I'm going to breathe better. I'm going to breathe in, I'm going to inhale, but really everyone needs to focus on lengthening and, uh, on their exhale. And that helps calm the nervous system, puts us in this like nice state of mind of well-being, less stress. So we try to hit those four pillars, the movement, the nutrition, the sleep, the stress, um, just so that Philip can, like, do what he wants to do with, like, the best ability, crystal clear mind, focus, and pain-free. I think you also showed that with the breathing, that shallow breathing can also create an, a physical imbalance, and, and that can actually affect your, your you know, posture. 
Yeah, so oftentimes when we're stressed, we breathe a lot short and shallow from our chest. Ideally, there would be a balance of chest breathing, belly breathing, an expansion front to back and side to side. And when we breathe from our chest too much, you can physically see it in people. Their neck muscles will be really defined. They'll take a big breath in and they'll raise their shoulders up to their ears. Um, and they just basically don't exhale. So people will start to get neck pain, headaches, migraines, simply because they're not exhaling enough and they're not breathing properly. I mean, we breathe 20 to 25,000 breaths a day. It's probably the most of any other activity we do in our day is breathing. So if that's off, physically, mentally, the body is going to shut down. So that's that's interesting. Again, that's the that's where the holistic healing comes in because many people have headaches and they don't even realize what the cause is and they just continue to take uh, pain meds and that just makes it worse at some point because then you get more toxins and more toxins. So now, Philip, let's turn just to nutrition because uh, Dr. Kybert was just talking about it. First of all, I have to say publicly on the air that um, there was a little incident ordering a, a strawberry shortcake for a birthday one year. And as we started to sing happy birthday, I thought, oh, my God, he doesn't eat strawberries. Have you forgiven me? Is that the reason you ordered a Diet Coke the other day at lunch? Was that to punish me for doing that? <laughs> I took notice of that. Yeah. I didn't say anything. Notice. <laughs> but when what I areas that cook in front of you? It definitely you, is. Uh, you did. You also doing. know that you did whatever you've done wrong. <laughs> Philip takes it out by ordering a diet coke in front of you and then slowly drinking it, <laughs> and you're not allowed to say anything, right? You're just sitting there, sort of steaming internally. But what do you find that you'd like to improve on your diet? Which you know, a lot of people are in your situation. Do you, do you find that um, you want to? You're not eating enough, or you're just not getting enough energy from the food. Is what 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 are you looking? for to improve in your diet. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, one of the things I liked about this program is that it really incorporates diet into the bigger plan, um, you know, because I think diet, and I've heard you talk about this, uh, Mom, with a lot of experts and, and in your own writing that, you know, food oftentimes is a almost um, kind of uh, expression of how you're feeling. Um, you, you can use it as a crutch or you can use it to feel better, but oftentimes in the wrong way, and it creates worse longer-term um, uh, behaviors and, and patterns. So I think with me, you know, the fact that I was able, I was having real pain with, you know, with issues in, in my legs and the fact that, you know, Dr. Kyber's program could um, get me feeling um, looser, more flexible and actually start working out again, you know, I think it was the mindset of, okay, now that I'm a little bit more mobile and I feel better, now let's really make sure that I um, you know, really finish it with a good diet. Um, so I think it's really a package deal. But within the diet specifically, I think uh, Dr. Kybert said it well. Um, for me, I know it's it's morning energy. I have a job where, you know, and most people do, when you get in, you want to be focused already. You don't want to use uh, the first kind of hour or two at your desk to wake up. And I think a lot of people do that. They get out of bed. They rush to their office. They rush to their desk. And, you know, that first cup of coffee you have while sitting at your desk is what wakes you up and you almost lose, uh, you know, that, that beginning part of your day. So I think for me, it's all about energy. I wanted to keep a more balanced, smoothed out energy throughout the day, have my attention levels um, be a little flatter, not feel like there's a bit of a roller coaster uh, as the day ebbs and flows naturally. And so I think I've always been lucky, and, and, and Dr. Hubbard even did this, a diagnostic that my metabolism um, seems to work relatively well. So uh, I'm a little bit lucky that it's less of a weight 
fluctuation issue uh, and more of an energy issue. And, um, you know, that said, obviously building habits that will work uh, well for the rest of uh, my life, as you've pointed out to your listeners a million times, are, are you know, my father, the, the lawyer, as you always call him, is heart <laughs> issues. And that's uh, genetic and, and obviously I'm mindful of, of heart-healthy habits even at a younger age. Uh, so I'm not blind to the, the kind of broader health issues that that diet uh, works on. But I think today energy is, is the biggest issue for me and uh, it's been helpful. Even Dr. Schreiber said, you know, wake up 30 minutes earlier, have that first cup of coffee earlier, um, and then you'll feel your metabolism kick in faster and your day will start um, then on a, on a better note. Uh, so little things like that and then obviously the actual content of what the nutrition plan involves has a, a more broad-based long-term effect. Right. And it's also, as I say, as you know, Philip, it's the little steps that you take every day that build good habits. Those are the foundations. You can't do everything at once. You know, there's no such thing. And doctor, I'm sure you'll agree is, you know, thinner by dinner. There are no quick fixes or, or magic bullets. Everything is a process and you have to do it slowly. And I think that's where it really makes a difference. Now, doctor, uh, as a wellness expert, how do you get your patients to become accountable for their own health? I know my husband, again, as Philip said, he had a heart attack. And I think that's what really turned him around to say, okay, you know, maybe beans aren't bad for dinner. <laughs> There's no fuss or no face when he eats it now. But before he'd say beans, I mean, this isn't dinner, these are beans. So, you know, how do you, how do you um, convince them that they really have to be responsible for their own health? Yeah. I mean, ideally, we would see someone before they're even in that like pain state, hunched over, hobbling into our office. Um, but oftentimes we get people when they're like, uh, like we, the last resort, we will do anything, just get me better. Um, so in the office, we, um, sometimes it's most effective when people see themselves, like you can tell them, oh, you're hunched over, you have poor posture. Um, but once someone sees a photo of themselves, it really wakes them up to the reality. So, um, we do a lot of like videoing on patients' phone, videoing their exercises so that they have no excuse, like, oh, I lost a piece of paper. The video's on your phone um, to do their exercises. We're in constant dialogue with our patients. So if someone is like, I hurt myself doing this exercise, we want to see a video of you doing that exercise. We want to see a video of you doing in the office. We're going to clean up, for example, like Phillips push-up. And then um, we're going to see him do it in the office and, uh, and see if that uh, form has improved. We really like to be our patient's partner in their health. You know, going back to Philip, it's like you start to get him feeling better physically. The muscles are looser. He's getting stronger. It's just this natural progression. Like if you don't eat well, but you're, you're taking care of your body from like a movement perspective, you'll start to eat better um, and take the time to eat, eating more frequently, um, eating healthier. You can't really like out train a bad diet. So um, once you're physically feeling better, it's just a natural progression of like sleep will be better, the nutrition will be better. Um, another way uh, we're in our patient as a partner in their health is we have um, cards that they can put at their desk. It's like a, a photo of like what is good posture sitting at your desk, what's bad posture. We have a card for yoga stretches you can do at your desk, and we have a card for strength moves you can do at your desk. 
Um, we encourage patients to put an alarm on their phone every single hour to take five breaths, stretch your neck, pull your shoulders back uh, every single hour. Yep, I'm taking I'm taking those breaths as we speak. So, <laughs> Doctor and Philip, we have about one minute left. Doctor, how would you very briefly describe a what is defined for us a life well lived? Yeah, I mean, our goal at the clinic is like whatever these people love to do to get them back to what they love to do. And for myself, a life well lived is just authentically doing what I want when I want to do it and serving people to get them to their most optimal health. So uh, that would be a life well lived. Um, yeah. Well said. And Philip, do you want to add to that? Being good, supportive, and loving son. And oh, see, ding, ding, ding. All the right answers. <laughs> <laughs> I love Amazing. it. All right. Well, thank you both so much for being with us. Uh, Philip, I know where we can find you. Uh, where can we find you, Dr. Gutberg? <laughs> Yep, so we're at Urban Wellness Clinic, uh, 57th and 6th Avenue in Manhattan, um, urbanwellnessclinic.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it, Urban Wellness Clinic. Um, And I'm Dr. Emily Guybert. Thank you. Thank you again, both of you, for being with us. Stay with us, everyone. When we come back, we're going to be talking about making yourself over beauty-wise with the very beautiful Gail Sagal. You're listening to The Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. Don't go away. We'll be right back. As listeners of our iHeartRadio Talk Show know, Jane Wilkins Michael is one of the foremost experts on all things health, beauty, and fitness. Jane has just released her highly anticipated new book, Long Live You, a step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before. In it, she shares a collection of advice, tips, and personal antidotes, along with lifestyle suggestions from some of the world's top beauty, health, and fitness experts, many of whom have been interviewed on this show. Are you hoping to make positive health decisions, improve your emotional well-being, establish a support system, give something back to your community and the world? Jane's new book will help you look years younger and also live a longer, healthier, happier, and more beautiful life. You can order Long Live You, your step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before at your local bookstore or at Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com, where it's available for delivery or as an ebook. Or go to Jane's website, JaneWilkinsMichael.com. Now, back to The Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Want to know where you can hear Jane Wilkins Michael's show better than before? Well, that's easy. You can tune into Jane via Clear Channel's iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and at bmajor.org. Now, back to Jane Wilkins Michael and better than before. Welcome back, everyone. We're on the air live. You're listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm here with my Lori, as always. And now I'd like you all to meet Gail Sagel. Gail is the makeover woman in the makeup world, and I'll let her explain that in a moment. But first, let me tell you a little bit about her. Uh, We talked about corporate America in the first segment, and that is exactly where Gail started as well. After spending a decade in an uninspired career, her words, on Wall Street, Gail made herself over. And in 2000, she launched Faces Beautiful, which is a beauty concept store and web store where she manufactures and retails makeup and skincare 
products. And Gail is the author of Making Faces Beautiful, a makeup book where she teaches her quick, easy to apply makeup techniques. And just last week, her newest ebook went to number two on Amazon. This book Face It is tailored to baby boomers, 50 plus, and shares her many beauty secrets, advice, and her antidotes for creating beauty both inside and out. And don't us baby boomers ever need it. So, Hi, Gail. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Now, Gail, my mother, who is one of the world's great beauties, would say, a happy person has a glow to her skin that's undeniable and a lack of enthusiasm for life wrinkles the soul. And when you're in a great mood, everyone and everything is going to look better to you. That sort of goes without saying. So what is your definition of beauty on the inside? Well, first of all, I think your mother's a very smart woman, I have yes. to say. Because, <laughs> she because... also told me to comb my hair more, but I don't know. I, I have that one. <laughs> So in this book, Face It, I talk about the five essential elements for living beautifully and, and being beautiful. And the fifth element that I cover, which is the first element you're hitting on, is what I call energy. And that's the positive energy. That's the, the inside of a person is really what makes them beautiful. That's what comes outside. And your mom is really right when she talks about you people who are laughing. Um, when you laugh, you, you're automatically smiling. You can hear it in your voice. You could see it in your step you have a little bit more pep but laughing also really does help a person to stay younger because you have this like physical release and stress hormones are reduced and endorphins go off and it provides exercise for the heart and increased blood stimulation and they go into your facial muscles and they give you a little bit of a blush and you just look great feel great and so to me beauty starts right on the inside yeah and you can never be depressed when you're laughing (laughs) <laughs> you can't be depressed for too long. Right. No, as you laugh, you can't be depressed. So the secret is just to laugh all day. <laughs> so, yeah, it doesn't always work that way, as we all know. Unfortunately, it doesn't, it doesn't always work that way. But, you know, Gail, I read somewhere that we're hardwired to find certain traits beautiful. And there's a comfort in thinking that there's an evolutionary basis for what we find beautiful because then you're sort of relieved of responsibility. But I think beauty is individual. And I think that even though some women aren't classically pretty, their personalities, as we, uh, you said, is really what makes them beautiful. Um, but what do you feel makes a woman beautiful? I think it's all in, um, in her confidence because I think that when a woman feels good about herself, good about her, 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 not just her looks because that's such an exterior peripheral thing, but good about her roles in life, whether um, maybe she's a wife or a mother or a daughter or a sister or in her career or in her daily accomplishments or that maybe she just lost 10 pounds or that she just made someone feel good by paying them a compliment. But I think when a woman feels good about herself and that sense of, of confidence comes across, that no matter what she may look like to you or I, that all of a sudden she has such a, an aura about her and she becomes more beautiful no matter whether in my mind or your mind we thought that was a look of beauty. That's that she just, yeah, that is, that is so true. And sometimes if even classically beautiful women can leave you cold but when you meet someone and at first they might not look you know classically beautiful but if you get to know them and you know their personality 
you can you love them and you see that you don't see that maybe what they point out is their nose is a little big or they have a little pimple on the left side of their cheek right you just see the the, the beauty from within which is, exactly. I think is so important well, you know, being that I am, um, obviously, you know, I have a Wall Street background, so I can't help yes. it as much as I'm a cosmetics girl. I am still a numbers girl. So I'll share with you something that as, as a member of Cosmetic Executive Women, I always look to, to see all the polls and studies they do. And there was a study recently done about why do women actually wear makeup? And this is a worldwide global study. It wasn't, it's not about the U.S. women. And the number one reason that women apply makeup is because it makes them feel more confident. And when they feel more confident, they feel more beautiful. And that's why women apply makeup. Yeah. Well, what is it that, I think it was Chanel who had said, not wearing makeup is selfish because other people have to look at you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but also that was said at a time when, you know, I think that quote was like from the, from the you know, early 40s right. or something or late 30s. And that was at a time when women, I mean, never left the house without, you know, some sort of eyeliner, lipstick back then, you know, they called blush rouge, um, eyebrows done, hair coiffed, a, a beautiful dress, high heels. I mean, women, the idea of putting themselves together in that time frame from the Chanel time frame was so much different than our idea of putting ourselves together today because many American women in particular, they have this idea that everything should be natural. But natural doesn't mean naked of makeup. It means just get enough on that looks like you didn't try too hard. But it's, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a different um, sort of take on you know, put, putting yourself together. What Chanel would have thought was together, I don't think she would have looked at women Nestle today and think they were Nestle, you know, really put together. It's funny. I did a uh, the one of the New York papers did a, a a story on me, a beauty story, and it was a before and after. And the before I got photographed, and then of course the after when everyone worked on me. And I looked at the before, and it was I was so ghastly. And someone said, <laughs> "Honey, you always wear makeup to a before." <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so, I did a before and after in my book. I don't know if you happened to get that far into it. But um, I actually did not wear makeup for the before. I did blow out my hair, though. <laughs> now, see, there you go. You did. You did a little something, something. Right. Exactly. But you, you also mentioned a little bit earlier about having this positive energy, and you know, we all have obstacles in life, and and you know, as you said, sometimes you're given lemons and then you have to make lemonade. You said that in your book, you know, and life yeah. gives you lemons, make lemonade. So how do you, how are you able to turn things around uh, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, and, and look at things differently and not let the everyday um, stresses get you down? Well, there are two things for me um, that I always like to do when I'm feeling stressed from whatever stuff is being thrown at me on that particular day. One is I turn on music that is going to put me in a good mood. Um, that, that's really important to me. I mean, if a bad song's on or a song is bringing a bad memory, that's always going to take me to a bad place. But if I turn on music, or if I don't have any music, that's not a good thing. But if I turn on music that makes me feel good, um, maybe music from a particular movie I love. I mean, one of my favorite movies that just is a feel-good movie is... Um, do you remember Reese Witherspoon in Legally Blonde? Oh, I, I love it. Yeah, it's a great movie. And they had and Legally had, Blonde, too, on top of it. <laughs> and, and my daughter and I had watched that movie so many times. And every time I, you know, watch the movie, of course, I laugh and have a good feeling. But even when I just turn on the music, 
I'm like, oh my god, I remember my daughter and I were watching it. We, you know, it just it takes me to a good it takes me to a good place. Um, then of course there's always exercise, which I know is good for me, but it also you know it does help with the endorphins and and that type of thing. Um, I do things that make me happy. I love to cook. I'll you know I'll invite some family over, some friends over, and say you know everyone hang out around. Um, my counter, and we'll just cook and drink and have fun, and I'll force myself as much as I might be feeling lousy and just be feeling like I want to curl up on the sofa or climb into bed or pull the blinds. I will force myself to, you know, be with people that I know are going to just, you know, make me feel good, and I for sure will stay away from anyone who's going to make me feel bad and any negative people and things of that sort. Um, And I also do this thing where... I create a, um, have you heard of like a vision board? Yes. Where, so I have my own personal vision board, and I think it's a really great thing to have, and I keep putting new pictures onto it, and I'll put all sorts of pictures on family, friends, travel, business-oriented, uh, all sorts of things. And I'll take out my vision board, and I'll just sit with it. And even though I might be sitting with tears in my eyes at first, or just feeling absolutely lousy, I'll have good music on and I'll be looking at my vision board and I'll try to bring myself to a better place. I don't know. They work. These things work for me. I have a speedboat on my um, vision board. I also have a, a my own plane. <laughs> I've yet to realize those, but they're there if anybody's interested. Gulfstream, if you're listening, it's on my vision board. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned music and, and, and working out. We have a, a weight class in the gym that I go to, and it's very, very difficult. And they play some you know really good songs. So occasionally you will hear that song out of the gym, and you work very, very hard, and they're hard. You know, the exercises, they really challenge you. And every time I hear that song out of the gym, I'm thinking, am I supposed to do a push-up here? Or, you know, this could be like in a store or, you know, you're in a car. <laughs> am I supposed to, like, put some weights over my head? <laughs> now I now I, I relate that to this to my weight class. So I ruined a few point. songs, but it, it makes me feel good when I'm doing the class. And that's exactly the point. They quickly, it's like, you know, it's hypnotizing yourself or you're, you know, um, you're just trained. Your your mind automatically goes there. I love that. Yeah. It's a way to get yourself where you want to go. You know, Gail, when we spoke the other day, um, I love it when you said it, it. it's not what happens to you or what people say to you. It's how you react to it. Or, or as I say, how people treat you is their karma, but how you react to it is yours. How do you react to what people say? If you happen to be particularly sensitive and they say something that you find is upsetting to you? Well, I think it depends on who the person is. Like if it's someone who's close to me, um, I'm definitely going to say something. Um, Even if I think they didn't mean it, you know, I might just, you know, respond, say, hey, I don't know exactly what you thought you were saying there, but it made me feel like blah. You know, and I will just tell them if it's if it's you know they're if they're close to me and I can just call them right out on it. I don't like to let things fester because then they kind of sit in my mind and they do somersaults and they turn into something that they probably weren't ever even intended to be. So I, I usually make things worse if I don't address it. But if it's someone in business, for example, um, and they say something that is hurtful to me, um. I, I really try to examine it and figure out, you know, how am I going to either respond to this or maybe not responding is better and maybe just taking on a new set of actions or 
being proactive in a different area, um, not every action requires a reaction. Mm-hmm. So it, it really depends. And, you know, I, I happen to be incredibly sensitive, but most people don't know that about me. Um, I think that people, because most of the times when people see me, I am made up and put together. And we have in our mind that if someone's hair is blown out and their makeup's on and they're dressed all, you know, smart and stylish, that everything about them is perfect. And so they're, you know, impenetrable and you could say things and nothing will hurt them. That's because the outside looks like it's, you know, like the shield. But I happen to be really sensitive and people have said things to me, you know, over time. Um, that have been hurtful to me. And sometimes I do react and sometimes I do take action and sometimes I just don't. And I just let it, you know, rest. And often I'll look back and say, well, I wonder if something about that was true. I I try to um, be introspective and, and say, well, maybe it wasn't really meant to be mean. Maybe it was just meant to, maybe I'm supposed to be hearing something. So I don't have the same reaction all the time. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that what you say to people, and I'm careful what I say to people, and I find that people react, all you have to do is smile at them or tell them to have a good day or say in that color that's so pretty on you or how lovely you look today. And suddenly their whole, they could be the most dour, miserable looking people. And all you have to do is say that. And, and suddenly they just become a different person. It's interesting. One little compliment goes a it, miles and miles with, yeah. with many, many people, I think, you know, my mother in the end, God, God, God rest her soul. She was in a nursing home, but she was always very elegant. She was always making people feel better. And she'd tell the residents who all had dementia, you know, she'd go up to them and go, and I don't think she had a clue where she was and neither did they. And she'd go, oh my goodness, blue is your color. <laughs> and, and even in their state of, you know, not knowing anything, they'd smile. So you could see inherently what that kind of reaction is. Yeah, it's, it's, I think that's one of the reasons that um, a social media platform like Facebook is is one of the reasons of many that it's so successful is that when you like somebody's picture, it's it's such an easy way for someone who you would have probably have never seen that day, maybe not for months, maybe not even for years, that someone from afar or someone has liked your picture or liked your comment it's like giving a compliment and it just feels so good. That's why Facebook, one of the reasons that it's just so addictive. That's true. But then on the other hand, if they don't like it, are you waiting for someone to like it and they don't? You go, why don't they like my picture? Oh, it's <laughs> so. that, please. How about the days that you feel badly and you go on Facebook and you see all the things that other people are posting and all the likes they're getting, you're like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? I did I nothing. Know. <laughs> it could work against you too. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I wish they'd do away with life because I think that, that makes it a little bit more difficult. You, know, you count your life, especially if you, you know, professionally, you sort of count your likes, right? But um, what what you did say, uh, too, which I thought was really, really interesting, that, that we're on our own individual paths in life. And, and we're sort of there with what has been preordained for us. And, and I always feel that the stars impel, but they don't compel. Can we change this path? if it starts to go in a direction we don't like? I think that every person has the ability to make lots of changes, small and big, in their life. And they have to just have some vision 
and have some faith and confidence in themselves. And it helps to be a good planner. Um, I think that every time you want to make a change, you have to be able to have sort of a, a macro vision and a micro vision. And if you can set some goals and make some lists, then you could certainly a- a- obtain what you're try- you know, attempting to obtain. But I said something else in, in my book, too, that I think goes along with this thought, um, is that what we desire is deliberately placed out of our reach so that we can become the person that it takes to obtain it. And I said that because making changes and getting things that we want in life, it wasn't supposed to be easy. And it, it, it does require thought and, and planning and having um, persistence and being diligent. And these things aren't supposed to be handed to us. So if, if you don't want to make any changes in your life, then just chill out and sit back and wherever it takes you, it takes you. But if there's something you want to change, whether it be something regarding your personal self or your career or your family or where you live or whatever it is, any change that you want to make is going to require thought and some sort of sacrifice and planning and all those things require effort. So the things that you want to change and to obtain are not supposed to happen easily. But when we get to that point, something else happens. And that is that we now have the personal satisfaction of knowing, oh, my God, look, four months ago I was there and look where I am now. Or four years ago I was there and look where I am now. Or 20 years ago I was there and look where I am now. And that just promotes more self-confidence. And what do we say a few minutes ago? That it's that Mm self-confidence that exudes and helps us to become the most beautiful people that we are. So, so true, so true. And I also say, and I say this often, that, that change is a, is a process. And mm-hmm. one of the things we do, we look at that end of the process and we think of everything we have to do to get there and we just shut down. I mean, we can't take in one more thing. So the idea is that you can't, I mean, you can't climb a mountain in one, in, in one uh, leap. You have to do it step by step. So do it slowly and then appreciate. I always tell, and I tell this to my daughter, appreciate, I tell all my kids, appreciate where you are at this very moment. Because if your life is one huge to-do list, you are never going to appreciate your little accomplishments. And it's those little accomplishments that propel you forward and make you and define you, make you the person who you are, not the mistakes. The mistakes are, you know, they don't define you. It's your accomplishments. And I don't think many people appreciate or not enough people appreciate the fact that, you know, they've done well today or whatever they want to accomplish, whatever it is. I mean, it could be doing one more sit-up, you know, but they've accomplished what they wanted to do. And and I always say to appreciate it. One of the, I never forget the feeling I had after I had my, my first son and, and he was a long, it was like the world's longest labor, the world's biggest head, I think, oh, ever gosh. made on a baby. He was like nine pounds, eight ounces, and his head was the size of a bowling ball, literally. And after I I gave birth, a three-day labor, and I was holding him, and I'm saying, you know what? I feel like I've, you know, won an Oscar while running the marathon. I mean, there is nothing else that is expected of me today. I have accomplished exactly what I wanted to do, and I've done it well. It was such a wonderful feeling. I'm always looking to replicate that feeling. (laughs) Even with more children, it never came. But, you know, because the first one is is usually the one that you remember even that feeling even more than anything else. But, um, you know, I think if you just just appreciate your, as I said, your little victories, I think it makes a big difference in how you look at life. I totally agree. 
I totally agree. That's why it's important that when you have a longer-term vision about where you're trying to go, whatever that goal is, that you'd redefine that longer-term vision with lots of shorter-term goals and, and savor each goal along the way. Savor. Good. Good word. I like that. So let's talk a little bit about your book, which is great, by the way. And and one of the quotes, <laughs> one of the quotes I was laughing is, "Ladies, you better spend as much on, uh, much on your face as you spend on your shoes, because in a few years, if your face doesn't look good, then who's going to bother to look at your <laughs> shoes?" <laughs> I love that. So how how, how true? Um, so let's talk briefly, and you know we have about five minutes or so left. Let's talk briefly about some of the ways that we can make ourselves over to look just a little better than before, starting with some skincare tips. Okay. I think the most important thing that I'd like to share about skincare is that my philosophy is a little bit different than I think what's widely accepted. Um, I think that most women think the most important thing they can do for their skin is to hydrate and moisturize. And it's not that hydration isn't important. Of course it's important. But I don't believe that moisturizing is the most important thing you could do. I think the most important thing you can do for your skin is to exfoliate. And by exfoliation, I mean whatever process you can use, whether it's something like a washcloth or the acids like alpha-beta-hydroxys or microdermabrasion or little scrubbies that you, you know, get in a tube. You want to whisk away the the dead skin cells and when you take them away first of all newer fresher healthier younger skin cells come up it also decreases all like your blackheads and breakouts and things of that sort but the most important thing that happens is when the new skin cells come up they're increasing your skin cell turnover which at the same time increases your skin's hydration so you're forcing your skin to act like it did when it was younger and i think you know that's the, the before you go applying makeup Let's look at what you're applying makeup to, and that's the skin. And you want your skin to be as young and supple and healthy as it could possibly be. You know, men have a great advantage in that they shave every day, or at least many of them do. And the shaving is a great form of exfoliation. So, of course, women, we don't shave our face every day, but you can exfoliate every day. And I think exfoliation should be mixed up similar to the way that we mix up exercise. Like most women don't just do Pilates or don't just run or don't just Mm -hmm. ski. We do all sorts of exercise. And exfoliation is the same thing. There's so many forms of exfoliation that you should mix it up. You should use a physical exfoliator like a facial scrub or a washcloth. You should use a a chemical exfoliator like maybe Retin-A or... Um, lactic acid or botanical enzymes, you mix it up. And if you do a little exfoliation every day, every day your skin's going to look a little bit younger and it's going to be a little bit more hydrated. Yeah, just get out, get all that those, those dead cells off and, and you'll yeah. be surprised at the beauty that lies within, and, and under. It, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, it, and it just, there's no end to exfoliation. You can keep exfoliating every single day for your entire life and you will just be a little bit ahead of, you know, of that eight ball. And certainly the younger you start exfoliating, the, the, the more ahead of that eight ball you're going to be. But there's, it's, there's, it's never too late to start exfoliating. Yeah. I think when you're younger, though, your skin turns over a little bit quicker So as you, as you get older. Oh, and, and, and the good thing is you focused your book on, on women over 50. And, you know, today they say that 50 is a new 40 and 60 is a new 50, you know, on and on. But on the <laughs> other hand, you know, some days you feel that whatever age you are, that is the age it is. 
it's not 10 years younger. It is what who you are, right? But in our final uh, minute or so, could you leave us with some tips that you live by and perhaps we all should too to make us look and feel just a little better than before? Well, the look part is I think everyone should wear a little bit of makeup. I know most people do want to look natural, but that doesn't mean naked. And I think that you should find the three items that you could do every day that will make you look better. So for me, my three items, I like to have a tinted moisturizer because it evens up my skin tones and it gives me protection from the sun at the same time. I always like to fill in my eyebrows because you know, as we get older, our eyebrows, no matter what, no matter what we're doing, they, they thin out a little bit. I think eyes, eyebrows do frame the face. And I love a great uh, lipstick or lip gloss. Um, but find the three things. Maybe for some people it's mascara and eyeliner. Maybe for other people it's, it's blush or bronzer. But even if you did no more than three things every day that took you no more than three minutes, you're going to feel more than three times better. I mean, three minutes, it's going to make you feel 100 times better. So find something in in your routine that just makes you feel better. And at the same time, I'm going to go back to where we started. Find a song that you love that every time you hear that song puts a little, you know, step in, in, you know, in, in your walk or just makes you smile a little bit so that you always have a place to go to that you can quickly say, oh, I feel great. All right, let me, let me get my face together. One, two, three, three minutes, I'm out the door and, you know. And I, I think that you'll, um, when you walk out feeling more confident, everyone around you will feel that positive energy. That is very true. As as we, f- we as we are feeling it here today with you on the show, thank you so much. And tell our listeners where they can find you and your book and everything about you. Okay. Um, again, my name is Gail Sagel, and you can find my book, Face It, on both Amazon, and you can also find it on my website, which is facesbeautiful.com. And all of my makeup is also, in, and skincare is also on facesbeautiful.com. And I'm located in Westport, Connecticut, so if anybody wants to come visit, please come visit. You'll find me also on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I mean, I'm everywhere. <laughs> I look forward to meeting all of you, however you find me. I must apologize. I call. I put a hard G. I said oh, no Sagel worries, instead no of worries, Sagel. No worries, I should have thought no beauty gel. gel perfect. Exactly. <laughs> That's gel. how you remember it. Say gel, <laughs> as in beauty. So, <laughs> terrific. As in Jane, hair it's gel. Been a, it's been a pleasure well, chatting with you today. I thank oh, you so you're much. wonderful. Thank you so much, and everyone. That's our show. Thank you, Gail. Say gel. And as always, thank you, my Lori. I love you. And thank you all for listening. This is Jane Wilkins-Michael. I will see you next week. Until then, be wise, be well, be better than before. Have a question for Jane and want to be on the next Better Than Before show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. The Jane Wilkins-Michael show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org.